from Forth. This is So What Do You Do? podcast. When someone tells you what they do for work, do you ever secretly think, okay, but what do you actually do? I'm Ellie, and you, my friend, are in the right place. We interview everyday professionals from all positions in all industries. So sit back, relax, and learn where you too can thrive in a nine to five. Okay, fourth fam, listen up. Today's episode is with Sarah, and Sarah is a dear friend of mine from college. She was a couple years older and really paved the way. Um, She showed me how young women can really have it all and do it all, and um, she was a shining example of that. In today's episode, we talk about Sarah's story. Now, Sarah actually... um, There was a little bit of a curveball in the end of our story because she went through a career pivot um, and really a promotion about six years after her initial start to her career. And in that, ended up in hospitality. Um, Within hospitality, she talks a little bit about how that was affected through the effects of COVID-19. And, um, but even beyond that, just her story of figuring out what she wanted to do in college and pursuing that path and having bumps or stops along the way um, is just very, very inspiring. And I know you guys are just going to love it. As always, I've linked Sarah's LinkedIn in the show notes. So be sure to head on over that way. Tell her how how much you loved the episode and how grateful you are that she came um, to be a part of the fourth family. So without any further ado, listen into our conversation. You are someone who I've always kind of admired I, for listeners or for anyone tuning in. Um, Sarah and I went to Georgia Tech together, and um, we're both in the same sorority, 80 Pi, Zeta Omicrons, and so I got to watch Sarah kind of go through that process, graduate before me, um, start her career in consulting, but you kind of, um, you know, I, I, there were a number of girls in the sorority at the time that I kind of just were like, wow, they've really like figured it out. Now, I don't know if you felt that way, but that's what it, did not. Okay, well, that's kind of what it's like. Very flattering. <laughs> yes, that's what it seems like to us younger girls. Like, you know, you were so successful at Georgia Tech, which was a huge feat in and of itself, but, you know, you had great friendships, and you were able to kind of experience college, too, which was really, you know, awesome to see as a younger Georgia Tech female, and so, I don't know, I would just love to kind of talk with you a little bit about your journey, maybe even through Georgia Tech and kind of deciding your first job out of college. I know, I know your story a little bit, and I think you wanted to go to law school at one point. So um, so talk to me a little bit. Can you just kind of talk us through a little bit of like your background and what, what you did in in your life? So of course, so I uh, started at Georgia Tech in 2008, which was a really interesting time Mm -hmm. uh, in the world around us, really the last time that we were facing kind of an economic situation not dissimilar to where we find ourselves now. Mm -hmm. And I went to college uh, facing a very different situation than what I had always grown to believe I would be facing. Uh, My dad lost his business the year that I went to college, and I was put in a position where I knew enough to not put additional strain on my parents. Um, but to also still want the opportunity to really enjoy college to the fullest. 
Uh, so my entire time at Georgia Tech, I worked while I was in school. I studied business, and then for three and a half years, so the better part of the time I was there, I managed uh, a biomedical engineering neuroscience lab. Mm-hmm. As a business major, we, we definitely did not speak the same language. Uh, it was a really interesting experience and started to open my eyes to the importance of weaving people and human capital into business decisions and processes. Steps don't make sense if the people that you're walking through them uh, aren't receptive or aren't bought in. And I think without even realizing it, that started to kind of prepare me for what would ultimately become the first part of my career journey. Uh, So like I said, at Tech, I studied business. Uh, It was actually the College of Management when I was there, and there was no requirement to um, specialize in a certain area Mm -hmm. until my third year, (laughs) which was when I was starting to wrestle with the decision of whether or not law school was right for me. Um, I'm an argumentative and opinionated person, which people will tell you is not the, the recipe for success in law school but it was something that had fueled me and led me to, to chase down those classes and, and that dream. Mm. Um, given the situation in the world around us, I was cautioned by several people to really think long and hard about making that leap uh, because a lot of those programs were very full and uh, were having somewhat of a backlog when it came time to graduate and find a career because of the influx of people who were going back to school during the economic downturn. Mm-hmm. Uh, about that time, Georgia Tech uh, unveiled a concentration in leading and managing human capital, which was way better than anything finance related for somebody like me. <laughs> and so I decided to jump headfirst into that and like any good student, find an internship with human capital in the name. Um, there was one and it was with Deloitte Consulting in their human capital practice. Uh, I interviewed, I received an offer and I never looked back. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with solving problems with people at the center of your solution. Uh, It left room for creativity, uh, for collaboration, and really for learning a lot about yourself and how you manage relationships while also serving uh, some very high profile clients. Mm -hmm. So I did that for about six years, focusing a little over six years, actually focusing primarily in healthcare, uh, working on huge electronic health record implementations. Uh, It was great fun, uh, but I had a uh, baby in that kind of time period mm-hmm. and decided I needed to, to change pace. I also decided that I needed to reinvent myself outside of work a little bit. I was so caught up in this image of success and this idea of um, always being at the top of my game, at the top of my class, always getting to a promotion early, um, earlier than anybody before me even. And um, the obsession wasn't healthy for me or for my personal life. Uh, so it was a tough step back uh, for me, or at least in my mind, it felt like a step back because consulting was the pinnacle for me at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to work for Intercontinental Hotels in an internal strategy group. Uh, Previously, they were a client, uh, and I had a great relationship with my counterpart there, and she hired me onto her team uh, as a manager, and I was doing very similar work uh, with less of a people or human capital focus, uh, which just didn't sit right with me, so it really opened the door for me to bring that perspective to the team, which actually catapulted my success at IHG or my journey at IHG and led to me getting promoted twice in my first year there, first year in two months. Wow. So I, it was great fun. I felt like I had the pace that I had at Deloitte just in a really different way. I was making an impact. 
in an area where it wasn't commonplace or expected to think the way that I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really fell in love with hospitality and the, the subject matter and the end user and the fact that every day you're going to work and working on something that's tangible. I stayed in hotels for six years. So uh, <laughs> I remember <laughs> hotels and I knew what yeah. good ones looked like and bad ones looked like. And that experience, it, it really drove me and created this passion I didn't expect to find. Wow. Um, my, my recent or current role as the director of enablement and analytics within our design and construction function. So we've got 125 people in this department. The majority are licensed architects and engineers. So putting on my Georgia Tech communications hat again, <laughs> um, crossing lines with different types of individuals and different communication styles and technical skill sets. Um, and I was charged with actually building a team to manage the processes, the systems, the information that it takes to move uh, the design and construction uh, team along. Uh, they're a huge engine for our business and the structure was very much needed. Wow. Wow. My mind is like spinning. I have so many questions. <laughs> I have so many questions if that's okay. I should have taken um, a breath. Sorry. No, no, no. That was perfect. Um, what I do want to kind of go back to for a quick second, something you said when you were talking about, you know, and, and I do want to echo what you said at the very beginning where you said, you know, my dad lost his business when I went to school to Georgia Tech in 2008. I knew um, that you, you said, I know that I needed to kind of, um, you know, support this educational route that you were taking, you know, put yourself through school. You worked all through college. Um, I also worked through college, paid my way through college. And it was one of the greatest um, things I think I could have done for myself. I'm sure you would echo the same, you know, yes. the, sense of, the sense of pride that you feel that, um, you know, you, you made it happen, right? Like you, you had the education and, and you, you yourself made it happen. Of course, people were along the way helping and, and encouraging and supporting right. the mental right. process. But, um, just job well done for that. I, I know it takes a very special type of person to to do that, and um, I'm I'm just proud to be your friend and and hear that part of your story. Um, another thing you said that stands out to me that I just want to touch on for my listeners again is you said you know your whole life you kind of thought oh I I could see myself being a lawyer you're you know strong willed and you know an argumentative spirit um, but you had mentors saying hey let take take a look at what this landscape is looking like right now. So are lawyers getting jobs? Um, uh, you know, what does the law school backlog look like? What is, right. what an what is the cost? Yeah. What's the cost? What's, what is the cost after? What, what are you mm-hmm. looking at as a return on investment after? And how does that compare to other opportunities? That is so, so huge. And I just don't want to, I, I wanted to take a beat there for a second because what, um, was that a hard decision for you? I mean, I think sometimes when we grow up thinking, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to law school. I can see my future. And then something comes to a screeching halt due to aspects outside of your control. Was that hard for you to kind of be okay with that change? Or what was that like? A little bit. You know, I I think I've come to learn over the years that I'm one of those people, it's really hard for me to walk away from something because in my mind, it means I'm saying I can't do it. And I've had to really reframe that because walking away from law school didn't mean that I couldn't do it. And it didn't mean that I wouldn't be great at it or that I couldn't have a lucrative career there. It just meant that it wasn't the right decision for me at that point and that there was something better for me at that juncture that would offer equal opportunity. It may look a little bit different. 
Um, but it, but it wasn't me throwing in the towel. And I think I really wrestled with that. I had a professor that I loved. I took every class he offered. Uh, he was a lawyer. He would just teach a few classes at Tech. And I remember he told me that it would be a waste if I didn't go to law school. And that rang in my ear as a challenge. You know, if, if Sarah doesn't go and do this, then whatever she does is not good enough. And I know that's not at all what he meant, mm -hmm. but it became a challenge that I wanted to fulfill and fulfill to the highest of my potential. Um, and once I got past that and realized there are other mountains to climb, uh, I became energized by that prospect as opposed to burdened by what I was walking away from. Mm, that's really good. And I think to your point, um, take sometimes, sometimes things in the world, whether it's in the world or in your, in your major or in your life experience may come into play where you're like, shoot, okay, didn't see this one coming. This is a curveball. Right. But, but like that doesn't mean my story's over, right? I love that you say there were other mountains to climb. Um, and knowing your story now, it's like you could look at your story and think, oh my gosh, what? You were going to go to law school? Like, look at, <laughs> you know, look at this projection that you've been able to create um, and opportunities you've been able to grab hold of. And hearing the excitement, not only in what you did at Deloitte, but what you do today um, is really cool for someone like me who works with young people to figure out what they want to do with their life. It's like, if something doesn't pan out, you know, I use air quotes there because you really made the decision like, Hey, I'm not going to go to law school. I'm going to pursue this. Right. But if you, you know, if things look a little different than you thought, that doesn't mean that your future is over. It doesn't mean that, you right. know, the end of the road. So I, I just wanted to kind of echo that, um, that observation for myself in your story. Absolutely. Um, and that doesn't stop. I mean, look at where we are now. COVID has thrown a curveball in my career that I didn't expect either. You know, it's no secret that hospitality is not in a great spot right now. So um, I think you constantly have to be willing to take a step back and see what, what is the fork in the road and what, what decision is right for you at that point in time, as opposed to thinking back on the coulda, shoulda, woulda. Um, it's, you have to look forward. And that, that's challenging no matter what point in your career you're at, whether you're starting off or like me, you're kind of a third of the way through and you're thinking, oh gosh, what does this mean? Where does this put me? Mm -hmm. And I want to actually, it's a great pivot point too, because you, you mentioned, you know, there's no point in looking back and saying coulda, shoulda, woulda. I know for you, you, I want to touch on this briefly too. You said, I had to take a look at myself in your position with Deloitte and you were getting, looking for that next promotion, you know, very, very energized by your work, but probably running on all cylinders. Like you said, you had, a oh, yeah. and um, I'm sure that that made you step back and wonder, but for all my listeners, can you just like take us back to that place? I know um, so many people have similar times in their life where they kind of have to evaluate and say, what do right. I my life what's important what's the next step forward can you can you just talk us through like I'm sure that was a difficult decision for you can you just talk us through that a little bit more yeah absolutely so um for anybody familiar with consulting the first part of your career with a large consultancy is generally pretty defined you mm -hmm. spend a couple years as an analyst a couple years as a consultant and then you get thrown into the senior consultant role which is where you have experienced hires really coming in they, though they come at other levels as well but that's a primary feeder you also have grad school um 
hires coming in. So it's this hodgepodge and that's where the, the tenure really varies and you see people's career paths start to ebb and flow and it's not a guaranteed two-year promotion. It could be a five-year promotion. Mm -hmm. uh, so growing up in the firm, I was on that two-year track. Every two years I got my promotion. I was uh, a senior consultant and I was teed up to make it to manager after two years, which was early, but I was leading a massive uh, effort for training over 60,000 individuals at one of the largest healthcare systems in the world. And I had earned it. I'm confident in saying that. Um, and I, in the middle of that, had a baby. And when I came back, uh, it was very hard for me to accept it, not because of the baby, but because of the, the time in service, the change in time of service, uh, that it may impact my career trajectory. And even beyond that, that I may want an impact on my career trajectory so that I could enjoy and relish that, that special time in my daughter's life and in, in my family's life. Mm -hmm. But for somebody like me, that was a really hard thing to wrap my mind around, that the two couldn't coexist. My career had been this foundation, this um, kind of constant in my life. And here's this little baby who needed me and was not consistent in any way, shape or form. I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I was really holding tightly to that career because it was something that I was so sure of. And it was such a huge part of who I was. Mm -hmm. um, and so as things started to be set into motion and I realized that I was not going to make that jump that year, uh, it really put me in a dark place personally. Um, just if I'm being honest, it was, a, it was a really hard thing for me, for me to come to terms with and something I just didn't think I'd have to come to terms with. So what I started to have to look at was, you know, why is this bothering me so much? Why am I so caught up on checking a box? You know, it was still early. It did not put a black mark on my career in any, in any way, shape or form. And I still had a bright future at Deloitte. And I, I started to realize it's because I was questioning if that's what I really wanted. And I wanted the decision to be made easy for me. And having this curveball really made me step back and think about what I really wanted, what was really important to me. Uh, and while I still wanted to grow and I still wanted to be challenged, uh, I also needed a way to pri prioritize my family a little bit more. And for me, it's no fault of consulting. It's just how enamored I was with it that meant taking a step back from something that it was hard for me to say no to. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it took a lot of discussion with my husband, with mentors, a lot of prayer. <laughs> um, and I made the very, very gut-wrenching decision uh, to leave Deloitte and, and take the role at IHG, um, which was not settling in any way, shape or form. IHG is a fantastic company. Um, I was just life, lifelong Deloitte. Partner was my goal. It always had been. And so I, it, was a, it was a big decision for me in that regard to leave to go anywhere. Wow. That's why well, I like have chills, honestly, on my arms. Because when you say something like, partner was my goal, and you are feeling so torn inside about, about literally coming to a screeching halt, um, you know, for whatever reason that may be, and like you said, it wasn't consulting. It wasn't consulting's fault, right? It was, it was, you were so invested in that work and you, you realized that that may come at the detriment of your family, which ultimately was your priority, right? So I think, and that doesn't take away anything from what you're doing now. And it's so funny because we're going to jump into your uh, progression within IHG and we've already heard a little bit you had fan you've had and will continue to have fantastic success there so you know I, I just want to pause there for a second because sometimes we feel like putting something down to pick something else up that we don't know is as shiny can be really 
scary. Like when you yes. know something is good and you, you are good at it, um, it's really hard to put that down. You know, that almost feels impossible in some ways. To right. Me. So I'm sure you wrestled with it for a very long time. I can only imagine. Yes. And it honestly, it took me probably my first six months at IHG to really feel like I was myself again. Uh, and I think once I got through that, you know, new job, uh, kind of onboarding process, Mm -hmm. uh, and really started to allow myself to enjoy it and to put Deloitte behind me as a chapter that I needed, that I loved, but that was, you know, it, behind me and not what was ahead of me. Um, it really allowed me to throw myself into IHD. And that's where I saw my performance start to shift and the way that I was interacting with my teammates and my, uh, I'm using air quotes here, clients on my projects uh, differently. Uh, and, and that's where really the next steps became abundantly clear and they weren't forced. They just happened the way that they were because I was all in for the right reasons. Oh yeah, that's really good. So let's, that's perfect pivot point into your time at IHG. So you said, was this about two years ago you, you went over there? How I, my first day at IHG was Halloween of 2018 so that my benefits would start <laughs> November 1st. So okay. I will never forget that. Awesome. So just over a year that like a year and a half ish. Yes. Yes. Okay, great. So talk a little bit about, you know, you, you had mentioned the one of your clients that you worked for during your time at Deloitte was really the one that brought you over um, to IHG into the first role that you started in. But you mentioned two promotions within your first year. Can you talk about where you started and then kind of where of it led you to? Yeah. Of course. So the woman that hired me was a, is a strong female leader. Uh, at IHG and on this team. She has two kids, she's a total powerhouse, and I wanted to be more like her. I saw a lot of myself in her and I wanted to follow her. You, you meet people in your career that you think, you know what, I will hitch my horse to their, my wagon to their horse or horse to their wagon, whatever the way it is. Um, and she was that person for me. And she gave me a lot of confidence in making that jump. Um, so I started out as a manager and what they called the growth initiatives team, which is essentially America's strategy. So we focused on growing IHG's footprint in the America's region. Uh, and there are a lot of different projects, some that I can talk about, some that I can't. Um, but it was basically internal consulting. Uh, and at the manager level, you support multiple projects and you may take a leadership role. You're not technically managing staff at that point. Um, but, or team members, uh, staff is not a great word to use, so my apologies, but, um, I started to learn the business, uh, in that role and really started to find where I could add value. I think for me, I was always daunted by going into a strategy role because I, I was a human capital person. I, I didn't not work with strategy, but I wasn't what you would consider a traditional management consultant. Um, I did a little bit of everything. You, you can't have a human capital strategy in the absence of business strategy. My brain was just trained to think of both. And I started to suppress that in the beginning and really think to myself, oh, you're not cut out for this because you don't come from Bain or McKinsey or Deloitte strategy team. Um, but once I started to embrace that side of my, my brain and my way of thinking and really voice my opinion and try to add that type of value, I saw a dramatic shift in the way that my opinion was received and that my work was received. And I started to be sought out for those types of roles and almost carved out a portfolio for myself on the team. Um, one thing that I was really passionate about was having an intern and creating those early careers opportunities in a part of 
the business that you may not know about unless it's presented to you as a consulting-like career option. So I created an internship program for our little team and successfully converted one of our Georgia Tech interns uh, to a full-time hire. And at that point, uh, my boss approached me and said, you know, we, we recognize what you're doing and we want to promote you to senior manager. And I was, I was floored because I didn't have to fight for it. I didn't have to go in with, you know, a three-pronged three -pronged plan or slides that said, this is how I'm doing this. This is why I deserve this. I was having regular performance conversations. I was owning my, my career journey and they recognized it and they rewarded it without a fight. And that it was just such a feeling of accomplishment that I hadn't experienced before. Uh, and I, I, it truly gave me a lot of faith in IHG and really uh, made me want to continue to grow my career there more than I had even to begin with. Mm -hmm. So my, um, Second promotion was actually the result of an internal transformation. So uh, kind of part of carving that uh, niche out for myself of being the, the human capital guru, if you will, uh, was getting assigned to a transformation for one of our largest departments, uh, which was formerly known as architecture and design. So I worked with uh, the leader of that group who's uh, been in hospitality for over 40 years, working with every big name uh, that you can imagine. Uh, and we got to be very close. We had a great working relationship uh, in, in designing that organization, in designing that business case. Uh, there became this very obvious opening uh, that was perfect for my skill set and for uh, me to continue to grow uh, with the enablement and analytics group. So helping to truly define uh, what the strategy was for that team and how they handled data and information to enable the business to be more efficient, more effective, and more widely recognized as the driver of business that it was across the entire organization. So I worked on that for four, four months, applied for the position formally, excused myself from some of the transformation work while my application was active, uh, and took the role of director of enablement and analytics in December of last year. Wow. So it's, um, I've only been in that role for about six months now and it's been a heck of a six months, <laughs> not what I thought it would look like. I'm sure. Um, so that's, there's, I mean, there's so many things I could say here. I'm just kind of soaking it all up to be honest. One thing that I love that you mentioned and, and, oh gosh, Sarah, what I would have given to like hear this advice at the beginning of my career. And I'm sure you feel similarly, you know, there are certain things you just learn with time and with age, but something you right. said was when I, when you realized that you brought a specific value in the way that you think and the experiences that you had during your time at Deloitte and the fact that that was an asset, not, not counting you out, but that you could really hone in and use the way that you think to bring value to teams at IHG and be someone that's maybe thinking differently in the room and allowing that to show that yes, you're meant to be there and they need you on the team in order to think differently. Like what a, what an exclamation point moment for anyone may feel in a role like, Oh, I'm, I'm not valued here because I think differently or I, I just need to be quiet. I don't need to, say my thought because they're not thinking about it this way 
to me, I'm like, no, you have to have confidence in the way that you're thinking about this and communicate it in such a way that they listen to you, right? And I'm sure at the beginning, you're like, I'm trying to express my thought, but no one's really understanding. But until you have confidence in, no, I'm confident in this thing because this is what I'm an expert in, all of a sudden people are either rallying to hear what you have to say, right? Like, and I don't want to, I don't want to speak for you, but that's really what I heard in terms of that part of your story. Exactly. And it was, I think I was so caught up in the value. I didn't think I was capable of bringing Mm -hmm. or that I didn't have the background to bring that I really lost sight of the reason that they hired me, the things that they saw in me uh, to begin with. And I wasn't living up to my full potential because I wasn't allowing myself to. Yeah. And I, I don't remember which project it was, to be honest with you, but I remember a marked difference between my first six months and the next six months at IHG. And largely because I had a shift in my attitude and my way of approaching my work. I didn't shirk the responsibilities that I was given, but I added an additional thought or additional value um, that wasn't asked of me, but because that was where my mind went. And I thought that it would bring the team, uh, benefit if, if it was aired out or, or evaluated and in sure enough, it, it was. That's awesome. Okay. That's so good. And then from there, it's, I, I love that you brought on a Georgia tech intern, my favorite words to hear, and then you converted them to a full-time hire. Um, that's a huge success and it kind of proves your point of getting people in there to really learn and see what, what that world's all about so that they can um, join the team full time. Um, and then for you to, to apply for a little bit of something different in your realm, but still a promoted position, director role, and then for it to look crazy different in the past <laughs> Six months given COVID and the hospitality world. Um, and I don't know if we've officially like shared on the podcast of your current state, but you, why don't you talk a little bit about that and maybe how either how you're dealing with it, how IHG has communicated it with you, all of that good stuff. Yeah, of course. Um, so I assumed my role in December and my team, including myself when fully formed, uh, was going to be uh, six people. And I had one manager already on the team who'd worked at IHG for years in a similar role. And together we embarked on this journey to fill out our remaining positions. Uh, We got about halfway through the first 30 days. So in January, and I would say early February, if you give yourself the first week of the year as a bye week, Um, but we were able to hire a manager and analyst to our team. And then we started to feel some of the effects of what was happening in the world around us. And we we took a sidestep or took a break from our hiring at that point, at least for our function. Um, So my team, you know, was... uh, Four people strong at that point. So we're down down two people, and we continue to chug along with really taking an inventory of existing processes, systems, uh, analytics uh, across the department, uh, and laying out our framework for what the year was going to look like. We had big 2020 goals, and a lot of them were just laying the groundwork so that we could go forward and really establish a set of organizational health metrics of of routine ways of approaching continuous improvement and uh, standardization to our processes across the board. Um, And in March, uh, it came to a screeching halt really, and we shifted gears rapidly and started to focus on COVID response. Uh, And my team really became the epicenter of tracking information related to our active projects across our state um, during the coronavirus pandemic. 
and I can't get into the specifics of it too much, but uh, it really opened my eyes to the importance of being able to be nimble and be reactive when you have to be. Obviously, we don't want to be reactive. That's not the ideal way to operate. But having such a newly formed team and having to quickly band together in a virtual environment, one of my hires started day one of our virtual working, uh, virtual working schedule. And so having to band together to do something we've never done before, that our boss had never had to do before, um, in an environment that was unprecedented, uncertain, uh, and changing by the minute. Uh, it was a huge challenge and something I will never forget, very much a defining point in my career. Um, it was also hard to walk away from some of the things that we planned to work on because they would have arguably made our response to this much easier had they been in place. Mm. Um, so we worked through this very successfully. Uh, it was a touted as a huge initiative for IHG, very successful. I was very proud of my team, uh, very exhausted, <laughs> very proud of my team. And then um, a couple of weeks ago, IHG announced furloughs across the uh, organization. Mm -hmm. If anybody's followed the news with hospitality, IHG was the final holdout on this and the big, a big three. And I really admire the way that they handled uh, this and the openness of communication from your global CEO down to your regional leads and you know your your direct supervisor. Um, it was painful, but you could hear the emotion in their voices. You could hear that it was not their their preferred way of doing it. Um, and the the cuts were deep, and I, I was impacted. And I think you know, adding to the list of moments where you take a step back and you have to take a breath and realize that this is not something to take personally in the environment that we're in. Uh, it's just a, a part of where we are. Uh, and use that time to look instead at you know what where am I right now? Where do I see myself going? Why is this impacting me the way that it has? Do I want to continue in this vein? Or is there this the opportunity to take a leap of faith in a new direction? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm day four of furlough. So all questions still remain unanswered. I have read one book um, and taken my daughter to the zoo. So that's that's been my big journey this week. Um, but you know, you want to talk about another radical shift in my world and in my career. It, it, before I even really hit the 10 year mark on it even. So it's been a wild few months. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, absolutely. It sounds like, and, and from what I've seen in the news, IHG has um, really handled themselves with grace. And it sounds like you can echo that as someone on the inside. Um, and yeah, I think your point similar with, similarly with 2008, it's like you have to almost take everything not personally right it's like mm -hmm. you have to take a step back and say the world is continuing on as it needs to and we're all a part of that process um i read some hilarious meme about people our age it's probably not hilarious but it goes through all these things that we've been through in our life and talks about 9-11 and 2008 and covid and like all these things and it's like wow, when you sit back and you realize that just the world and life is so much bigger than us, um, it really makes you appreciative for the experiences that we do, that we do get to have, right? And it, it I don't know, I, I think it's really important, or at least for me, it's been important to reflect a little bit in that vein of, I just need to be grateful for the days that I do get to wake up and do the work that I, mm -hmm. you know, and then, and then let, let the chips fall where they may. Um, Absolutely. Okay, well, Sarah, you've just been such a treat to get to kind of learn your story. There's two kind of aspects I want to close here. Um, 
there, there's going to be people listening to this episode thinking, I want to do what Sarah does, or I want, <laughs> I want to follow in her path, whether that be maybe going the consulting route, because that is definitely something that I know you were crazy passionate about and you still do consulting just from an internal lens, um, or they want to get into higher up in hospitality. I like to ask my, uh, my guests, you know, how do they get there, right? So if, if they're in college or they're starting college um, or they're graduated, what would be some good next steps for them to take today or even like upon graduation? Absolutely. Uh, so one of my favorite mentors from Deloitte uh, used to always tell me, bloom where you're planted. So, you know, orchids are known for growing in the rockiest of soils. I can barely keep one alive in my house, you know, under what I would consider decent conditions, but these things thrive in these harsh environments. And the moral of that story and something I've really carried with me since I was an intern with Deloitte is that you should never say no to an experience unless it's harming you, of course, but you never know where that's going to lead you. I did not envision that working in a biomedical engineering neuroscience lab was going to awaken this passion in me uh, for the intersection of, of people and process, but it did. And it took me three and a half years and probably a little bit more to really put the two together. <laughs> but had I said no to that because it didn't on paper look exactly like what I wanted to do, um, I, I would have missed that opportunity and that a chance to be creative and learn more about myself and about others in the workplace. Same with Deloitte. I bounced around on projects. I, I was a serial monogamous with my projects. I really liked long-term projects. Mm -hmm. uh, but here and there, I had a couple of shorter-term ones. And had I tried to navigate away from those and wait for the perfect one, I would have missed out on meeting some of the colleagues that shaped me in ways I wouldn't have imagined and led me to other options or opportunities while I was at the firm and beyond, IHG and hospitality being one of those. Um, same with IHG. I think you just always be open to whatever door or window or whatever you want to call it is in front of you uh, because you don't know where it may lead. It may not on paper look perfect, but it's a part of your journey and, and don't put it aside or cast it away just because it may not check all your boxes up front. Mm, um, that's good. That's great. I think the other thing and something that I continue to struggle with and try to remind myself of is be really sure of what you're great at. What, what makes you unique? What is your value prop? And it's something that's going to change. But I had somebody during my, you know, consideration of IHG and leaving Deloitte, somebody coach me on writing down three bullets that would be sent in an email and accompany my resume. And they would be the three things that you'd want somebody to know about you. And that was a really hard thing for me to put on paper and something that I wished I had had as a living list during my entire career. Had I started in college, it would have been really basic. After two years of Deloitte, it would have grown. And I, I think it would be a, a really great way to challenge yourself to stay true to, to who you are, where you are, and where you're trying to go. Wow, that is great insight. I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, I need to do that today for myself. <laughs> really? Because when it's true, it's like you think you know yourself and you you think you know the value that you bring, but when you're forced to really put words to it, it's, mm -hmm. it's a little, honestly, a little intimidating to think, Very. what is great about me? And then also to be able to think like I would be sending this to a potential you 
know, employer or boss or manager or whoever, you want right. to be really confident in, in those things. And so, wow, that's, that's a great, I would say that's a great homework for all of our, for all of our listeners. Um, I, I love that piece of advice. Thank you for sharing. Um, okay. And then just for fun, we're going to do a rapid fire really quick. So okay. I'm just asking, oh gosh. And I know, don't worry. They're all safe questions. So okay. <laughs> the answer, but, um, okay. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in. What did you want to be when you grew up? A teacher. Awesome. Okay. I was expecting lawyer, but teacher, that's perfect. Um, what is your favorite book of all time? Oh goodness. That's a tough question. Uh, I love to read. I think that if I look back, um, probably my all time favorite book right now, uh, is the nightingale. Okay. Have you read that? So no, um, I've heard heard I need to read it. So yeah, it's a great one. It's very recent. Um, I'm an avid reader. So for right now that that's the one. Okay, perfect. Awesome. I, I keep getting a trend that like all the people that I admire are avid readers. My last interview with my former cheerleading coach who works at a big bank, she's like, oh, I read every single night. I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to, <laughs> I need to be better at reading. So, okay, perfect. Who is your favorite speaker of all time? Oh, that's a good one too. Um, so I worked for a woman named Barbara Petway in college and she does executive communications coaching and I could literally sit there and listen to her all day. Um, she's not a podcast. She's just a person that I've encountered along the way who happens to do speaking and she constantly amazes me, inspires me and, uh, is a joy to, to listen to. Oh gosh. I love that. That's even like a personal one. That's perfect. Okay. Your favorite office accessory that you cannot live without. Oh goodness. Um, sticky notes. Okay. So they, I find myself writing stuff on them that does not make sense. Um, it's just to keep my train of thought while I'm on a call, I have to doodle, keep my hands busy. So my desk is usually littered with sticky notes. Perfect. Okay. That's yeah. That's like definitely I I work alongside some other female entrepreneurs and they're like, uh, sticky note obsessed too. Their walls are covered. So again, like maybe yeah. on the sticky note train, that's great. It's that or the Girl Scout cookies I keep dreaming about that I left in my desk, not thinking we'd be away for so long. And I'm wondering the shelf life of Girl Scout cookies. So sticky notes seem more reliable. Yeah. You're like, can someone ship those to me ASAP? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Office snacks would probably be mine. Um, and then lastly, what's been your favorite activity during quarantine? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think having mornings with my, my family. So the mornings were such a rush for us. Uh, we had to get everybody up out the door, get the kids to school, beat traffic, get settled into the office. I always fell behind and I'm relishing in slow mornings where we have time to wake up and actually speak to one another and eat breakfast and plan for the day, uh, before we have to jump right into it. Uh, and I, I think waking up early again is going to be a huge challenge for me. Yes. And the rush, I totally agree. I mean, I don't have kids yet, but um, I get to have some, a little bit of slow morning here. And I, I know that I'm going to miss that dearly when we do decide to have children. Um, so yeah, that's perfect. Slow mornings. That's like my favorite time of the day. Um, so nice. Thank you, Sarah. Um, we are going to- the episode here but thank you again and for all my listeners I'm going to link 
Sarah's LinkedIn in the show notes. So go over, tell her how much you loved hearing her story. And um, I'm sure she would love to hear what you thought of it. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you loved this episode and are inspired by this nine to fiver, let us know. Subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Screenshot this episode and tag us on social at fourth underscore LLC. We would love to hear what professionals and industries you want to hear from next. Want more career guidance, discovery, and inspiration? Be sure to visit our website, goforthllc.com and browse our career downloads, read our blogs, and get inspired to go forth.